Hello, everyone. This is Chelsea Wingo. And I'm Amy Covell. And this is our podcast, Hashtag Life Goals. Uh, we just wanted to give a little context, if you will. Yes, a disclaimer, as it may be, about yeah. this upcoming episode. Oh my gosh, what a sexy voice, Amy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so this episode in particular was recorded back in November, but we're playing it now. And so don't be confused of any dates, timelines, mix-up, that kind of thing. Just ignore it. Exactly. You're not running out of time to buy Christmas gifts. You've already <laughs> run out of time because Christmas has already happened. Exactly. There's no reason for panic or anxiety right now. That's right. Yes. So without further ado, please enjoy this episode of Hashtag Life Goals. Enjoy, guys. This is Chelsea Wingo. And I'm Amy Covell. And this is our podcast, Hashtag Life Goals. To be able to speak again to communicate what's going on with me, to let my family know I'm still here. I don't remember anybody on our staff speaking sign language, but we never had a problem communicating. Being perfect, not feeling good. And I spent so much of my life, you know, trying to act and be what I thought society wanted me to act or be. Each week we examine one of our life goals and figure out what steps we need to take to make them a reality. What resources do you need? What skills do you need? That's what the whole show's about. So come join us. It's going to be fun. Hello, everybody. I'm Amy Covell. And there's no Chelsea Wingo this week. Welcome to Hashtag Life Goals. This week, hashtag life without sound. Sitting in with me today is our audio engineer, Don. Say hi, Don. Hi, everybody. This is life without Chelsea, too, apparently. Right? <laughs> Chelsea had some last minute edit work come up this weekend that she couldn't pass up. So even though you're not Chelsea, how has your week been? Uh, it's It's been uh, uh, definitely a challenge lately. I, I just got back to L.A., at the beginning of September and the plan, uh, which you automatically know that it didn't work out because I said the plan, um, but the plan was to come and transfer my Lyft driving and Uber driving to the area and I am stuck in background check hell right now. So, uh, you know, I'm looking for little things here and there, just get some money coming in until that gets going. Enter the podcast. Dun -dun. Well, I have been very busy in the, like, what, week and a half mm -hmm. since I last saw you. Mm -hmm. So I shot a spec trailer. That went great. My friend Corey is staying with me right now. He just moved to Los Angeles from San Francisco. He and I were roommates in college. And he spent the last two and a half years in Paris, France. And now he's looking for a job in his field, which is fashion. And there was nothing in San Francisco and tons in L.A., so he sent me a message and uh, he sent me a message last week of September and was like, I'm moving to L.A. Can I crash on your couch? And I'm like, I don't have a couch, but I have a queen size air mattress and you are welcome to it. <laughs> so he moved in with me the first week of October and he's already got a job, an internship, and I made him work on the spec trailer doing costumes nice. for yeah, me. There you go. <laughs> So that's going great. Um, I'm so glad he's there because he is helping keep my apartment clean and my dog walked while I've been filming nonstop. Because I finished the spec trailer. Then I went and saw 
friend of the show, Leota, I saw her perform in once in Orange County last Sunday. And I got a call right before I went into theater asking if I could come work on a feature that was oh, on nice. day seven. Uh, they had done days one through six without an assistant director. Oh, <laughs> and they were finally ready to cry uncle. I bet. Uh, they were, they'd already added two days to the shooting schedule and were super behind and losing their lines. Now you see how important you are. Right? And I went straight from her show to shooting overnights for the next four days. Wow. Uh, my sleep schedule is all messed up. <laughs> I'm not having a problem where I can't fall asleep at night. I'm just having a problem where I want to sleep all day. Okay, so shall we move on to the research? Yeah, I guess. All right. <laughs> I haven't done any. That's okay. <laughs> Chelsea did provide me with the research for this episode. Okay. So what Chelsea did is she did a little research on hearing loss and um, and deafness, and then she did some research on American Sign Language. So the World Health Organization, um, this is a report they did on deafness and hearing loss this past March in 2019. They said a person who is not able to hear as well as someone with normal hearing would be someone who suffers from deafness or hearing loss. Hearing thresholds of 25 dB or better in both ears is said to have hearing loss. So it could be mild, moderate, severe, or profound. And if it can affect one or both ears and leads to difficulty in hearing conversational speech or loud sounds. If you are hard of hearing, it refers to people with hearing loss ranging from mild to severe. People with this usually communicate through spoken language and can benefit from hearing aids, cochlear implants, and assistive devices like captioning. Deaf people have profound hearing loss, which implies very little to no hearing. They often use sign language for communication. And then here were some key facts from their findings. 466 million people worldwide have disabling hearing loss and 34 million of these are children. Hearing loss may result from genetic causes, complications at birth, certain infectious diseases, chronic ear infections, the use of particular drugs, exposure to excessive noises and aging. Well, I mentioned before we actually started recording that, that this uh, is a very meaningful show for me because I have hearing loss in my left ear. Uh, what happened for me was uh, I, I was in a, living in a fairly small space at the time. I lit a candle and I fell asleep with the candle burning and I woke up and just had congestion throughout my entire head. And what's going on in my left ear is it, it never cleared up. I have uh, tinnitus, tinnitus, however mm -hmm. you want to pronounce it. Uh, so I hear whooshing a lot in there. But I think it's mostly external to the functional parts of the ear because I think when I do something that involves bone conductivity, I hear pretty clearly on that side. So. Interesting. 60% of childhood hearing loss is due to preventable causes. Like lighting a candle when you're... I guess so. Well, I yeah. <laughs> Very preventable. If only I had known. 1.1 billion young people aged between 12 and 35 years are at risk for hearing loss due to exposure to noise in recreational settings. So when your mom says, turn that music down, you're going to blow your eardrums. She is serious. 
We have a guest today. Since we're here, we have Olive. Who is yes, we have a pup pup. My roommate puppy. So if you hear anything that I can't clean up. That, that's our, our that's little Olive playing with her right, toys. Right. So the impact of hearing loss. So functional impact. One of the main impacts is on an individual's ability to communicate with others. Spoken language is often delayed in children with unaddressed hearing loss. Unaddressed hearing loss and ear diseases can have a significantly adverse effect on a, chi- on a child's education and access to suitable accommodations is important for optimal learning experiences, but those services are not always available. There's also a social and emotional impact. Exclusion from communication can have a significant impact on everyday life, causing feelings of loneliness, isolation, and frustration, particularly among older people with hearing loss. Last, we're not going to spend as much time on this, but she did a little bit of research on American Sign Language, otherwise known as ASL, and this was research found at the National Institute on Deafness and Other Communication Disorders. So ASL is a complete natural language that has the same linguistic properties as spoken languages with grammar that differs from English. It is expressed by movement of the hands and face and is the primary language of many North Americans who are deaf and hard of hearing. And it's used by many hearing people as well. It is not the same in every country. Every country has their own sign language. I know that when I was recently filming the movie What, I was exposed to both international sign language, Spanish sign language, and German sign language, along with ASL, just like speaking languages it differs depending on the region the dialect it contains all the fundamentals featured of language but its own rules for pronunciation word formation and word order so for example if english speaking is asking questions they do so by raising their voice a pitch and adjusting word order with ASL, you ask questions by widening your eyes and tilting your bodies forward. Hmm. It's like putting a physical question mark on it. It's like what dogs do when they... That's true. <laughs> they tilt their head at you. What are you doing? And it, and, and it is. It's, it's instinctive that we understand that that means a question. Right. Too, that that's, right? A non-verbal, that yeah. that's a nonverbal way to express something. And that gets us to the end of the research. So I'm excited to bring this guest yeah. on today. So today's guest is Amanda McDonough. I met her on the set of the film What? And it was a very unique experience when I met her. So on that film, I've brought it up on the show here, half of the crew was deaf and probably about 90% of the cast. And Amanda was there as one of our background talent, but she speaks beautifully. So I assumed she was part of our hearing background. Boy, was I wrong. (laughs) She had to grab me at one point because I turned my face away from her and was like, honey, I'm deaf. I have no idea what you just said. She had been reading my lips. And because she spoke beautifully, she was reading my lips. I had no idea that I was speaking to somebody who was deaf. Then she and I got to talking more. And she told me more about her experience. And I was like, oh, my God, we have to have you on the show. Yeah. So without further ado, I would like to introduce Amanda McDonough. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for spending time with us today um, to come on Life Goals. I really wish Chelsea had been here to meet you. (laughs) This is her topic. 
This was one that she added to our list way back at the beginning of Life Goals, mm -hmm. where we came up with a lot of the topics we wanted to cover over our time. She took ASL in college, and she has, I believe, a cousin who is deaf. And so this is a topic she's very interested in. She also has her own um, communication disability that has affected the way that she hears and she communicates. She has auditory processing disorder, otherwise known as APD. Um, I always describe it to people as being dyslexic, but for your ears. She can't filter out sounds, so everything comes in kind of jumbled, and then her brain has to reorganize it and process it. So that makes it a challenge for her when she's in uh, situations where there's a lot of stimulation and a lot of noise. Um, funny enough though, she has found that having constant noise actually helps her focus and process. So she listens to music pretty much 24 seven because that gives her something familiar filling her ears and that helps her brain kind of focus and be able to process the other sounds coming in. My experience with this topic is much more limited. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a little bit of experience. My first exposure to anything relating to this topic was in second grade. Uh, in second grade, we had a student teacher and she got to teach us two classes on her own and then she would assist our regular teacher. And the two classes she taught us were Japanese and ASL. So I learned some ASL in second grade. Mm -hmm. We did a uh, music performance where we signed all of the songs. And then I didn't do anything related to ASL until I was about 14. Mm -hmm. I was in a production where one of the characters in the show was supposed to be a mute. And so they cast someone who spoke ASL, but he was not mute. And so he, of course, taught all of the other actors different things when we were on set. I didn't actually meet anyone or have or was friends with anyone who was deaf until I was in my early 20s. Um, one of my co-workers at Best Buy um, was deaf and he, I, nobody at the store really knew ASL so he always just spoke to us through different ways of just trying to communicate and um, I didn't really think much of it because we always found a way to communicate. Yeah. So I don't even think I realized how tough this can be on people until I worked on what. And I met so many people in the deaf community all at once. Mm -hmm. So, but enough about our experience <laughs> with this topic. <laughs> well, I do want to mention one thing. Uh, I have a friend, he's actually, I, I met him because he was uh, a masseur that did you know therapeutic massage for me and he's deaf uh, which made a very interesting experience for me because I, I do literally feel like he's listening with his fingers while he works oh. massage and the other interesting thing is that my feet can be very tender and he doesn't think at all about going after them because he can't hear me going oh ugh. <laughs> but it helps a lot when he works them hard so that it that it hurts it helps my feet a lot uh so that's actually an advantage the fact that he can't hear <laughs> and empathize <laughs> <laughs> there are quite a few advantages though you know being deaf like i can fall asleep anywhere oh i imagine so anytime 
in any place <laughs> and sleep completely peacefully. I hate that saying, you know, sleep like a baby, because, but I can sleep like the dead. There we go. That one works. Yeah, that <laughs> worked like the dead. Um, but it wasn't, I actually wasn't born deaf, um, which is one of the reasons that I have such developed speech patterns. Um, I was born hearing and it wasn't until I was four years old that my family realized I wasn't really picking up on everything. So they took me to the doctors and that's when I was diagnosed with hearing loss. And I don't know how my parents did this, but at some point when I was four years old, my parents had to sit me down and explain to me that I had lost something. I lost something that everyone else around me had that I could never get back. And that I, they didn't know if it was gonna get worse or stabilize or what caused it. There were just way more questions and answers. All I understood really at four years old was that suddenly I was different. Suddenly yeah. doctors were looking at me different and nurses were looking at me different and they were worried about me and I was like this China doll all of a sudden. I went from being like a normal kid. I realized, you know, I don't like my parents looking at me like this. I don't like being looked at as different. I was like, I don't feel different. I'm four years old, I just want to play and be myself and mm -hmm. do what I'm going to do. Um, I don't understand what hearing loss is. So I decided, as a four-year-old, that I, if no one knew I was different, they wouldn't look at me different, then they wouldn't treat me different, then I wouldn't be different anymore. Like, denial 101. <laughs> um, and so I swore my pants in secrecy. I was like... I, you know what, I feel fine, I'm doing good at preschool, I have lots of friends. I, at that point in time I was working my first National Honda commercial, I just signed on to do Unsolved Mysteries, like, like, I had a successful career, I'm four years old, I have, like, everything going for me, I was like, my parents were like, okay, you know, if you don't feel like this is hindering you, we're not going to treat you like it is, so if you want us to keep this to ourselves for now, that's fine. So my parents promised to keep it a secret. And um, as I got older, like, when you have hearing loss as a kid, they make you go in every six months mm -hmm. to get tested. And they call it, when you're a kid, they call it a game. Okay, mm -hmm. press the button when you hear the beep. Okay, right. repeat after me. Hot dog, baseball, girlfriend. Um, and they make you play this game every six months over and over and over again. But as a kid, I understood that I'm playing this game. I'm not winning. I did not like not winning. Like, <laughs> and as you get older, you start understanding the concept of this is a test. You're getting graded on this. And I was a straight A student. Oh no. I am a nerd <laughs> through and through. Uh, the second I could pick up a book. A plus Amy over here. Yes, girl, that was me too. Like, AP classes, honors classes, um, Oh gosh, gate program, all mm -hmm. of that. I was like, no, I'm smart. I'm going to study for this. I'm going to find a way around this. But with hearing tests, it doesn't matter how hard you study, how hard you work, how hard you try. I just felt like every six months I was being set up for failure. Right. And it started eating away at me as um, a person, just my self-esteem. Yeah. And I felt I needed to work harder to act like everyone else to hide my hearing loss, to be the person that I thought everyone else, that society told me I was supposed to be. And so I managed to hide my hearing loss for 18 years. And the whole time it's getting worse and worse 
and worse. I mean, I was only seven by the time I needed hearing aids just to keep up in school. Right. And bilateral in both ears. It's not like I was just losing one hearing. It wasn't... It, I had pretty severe hearing loss. Um, and I relied on those hearing aids. I relied on the hearing that I had for everything. So for 18 years, I lived in denial and my best friends didn't know, my teachers didn't know, my principals didn't know, and my extended family didn't know. And because I was in denial, because I was working so hard to project this image of being what I thought society needed me to be. Right. Um, because I was in such deep denial, I really never did any soul searching, I never figured out how a hearing loss really was a part of who I am. And right. Um, the word deaf terrified me, and I just lived in constant fear of silence. And it wasn't until my junior year of college, being the overachiever, AP honors nerd that I am, I decided instead of just getting one degree, I was going to get two degrees. And not only was I going to get two degrees, I was going to do both degrees in four years by myself. I got this. Right, right of course. Yes. Because that's what overachievers do. <laughs> Duh. I'm going through school. I have a pretty decent GPA. I have a decent GPA. Like, I think I had like a 3.5 or something GPA at that point in time. I was working at Disneyland, happiest place on earth. And, you know, I had boyfriend. Like, life was going good. And then one day, in between my junior and senior year, it just started. And I got tonsillitis. Which is, you know, everyone gets that at some point. It's really not a big deal. It's like getting a cold, really. Your tonsils swell up. Your throat's really sore, and it sucks. Um, but I couldn't. My body wasn't healing from it. So my doctor suggested that once I kind of got over it, that we have my tonsils removed um, for, for safety in right. the future. Um, and so I had this, like, foreboding feeling, like, before I even got tonsillitis, I was like, there's something, something's coming to an end. Like, something is about to change. I could just feel it in my bones. And at that point in my life, I relied on hearing for everything. I relied on it for all of my college classes, my relationship with my friends who still didn't even know I had hearing loss. I was just that good of an actress. I am, am just that good of an actress. <laughs> um, <laughs> my best friends didn't even know that I had struggled with my hearing. Um, I used it for communication with my family, for literally everyday functions, like waking up in the morning, and I woke up from my tonsillectomy. And the hearing that I had left, the hearing I depended on my entire life for, was 100% gone in both ears. I was, for the first time in my life, deaf. And I could not run away from the word deaf. I could not run away from the word disabled anymore. I could not hide it. I could not pretend it wasn't there. I couldn't be in denial anymore. I was deaf. Because I had just had tonsillectomy. Um, I was mute. <laughs> Um, they just t removed things from my throat. So because of the surgery, I could not talk. And it took me a lot longer to recover from the surgery than a normal person would um, because I was sick before. Right. And so here I am, all of a sudden, sitting in this hospital, 100% deaf, completely mute. I never learned sign language, nor had I ever met another deaf person. And I didn't know how to lip read. There was, n like, the only way I could communicate with anyone around me was through writing. I felt trapped in my own body. Like, all my thoughts, all my ideas, the person I was, it was all still here. I just couldn't communicate that with the, uh, the world. 
Right. And it was so frustrating. And they gave me this little whiteboard, and they were the nurses would write, "Are you hungry?" And I would write yes or no, and it was always yes because I really love food. It's like, <laughs> oh my gosh, you guys! You put a chocolate cake in front of me. And as an actress, I go through this emotional, like, I want to be thin, so I look good on television, but I really want that cake, and the cake wins every time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's something that will probably never change about me. Uh, But, so here I am, like, deaf, mute, I don't know how to communicate, and, you know, kind of upset. (laughs) Like, I'm upset that this has happened. I have one more year of college to go, like, what am I supposed to do? overnight. Yes. Um, and it didn't have to, it's just because I was in denial for so long. Right. It did. My whole world changed overnight. And I went home and I pitied myself for a little while. And uh, because I'm human. And, you know, everyone can tell you these amazing, like, you know, motivational, inspirational stories. But I want you to know that I'm human. (laughs) I sat there and I cried and I was upset and I felt bad for myself for a little while. A couple days. Maybe a whole week. (laughs) However long it takes to watch reruns of NCIS and complete like the first two seasons. There you go. Before we had Netflix and stuff like that. Um, Yeah, I'm old. Anyways, so I was sitting on the couch and, you know, I just had this epiphany. I was like, you know what? The worst thing that I ever imagined happening to myself, the thing I fell asleep being afraid of my entire life, the silence that I feared my entire life, has happened to me. And I'm still me. I'm still Amanda. My education, all the knowledge that I have, is still under my head. No one, nothing can take that away. I still have the same hopes and dreams and passions and skills. I just don't know how to communicate those. So that's what I need to do. I need to figure out how to connect with my family again. I mean, my family was visiting me and they were like crying and they were pitying me like, oh my gosh, she's disabled now, we have to take care of her. And they were babying me like crazy. Like I'm still capable of brushing my own teeth. But <laughs> my mom was like, do you need help? Do you need help? But I'm like, mom, I got it. Just, just, I got this. So I realized, you know what? I started my college degree, I wanna finish it. Okay, I identified a goal. All right, how do I get to that goal? What do I need to do to finish college? I need to be able to communicate my ideas and I need to be able to understand the ideas that are being communicated to me from other people. It's like, okay, so I want to be able to speak again, to communicate what's going on with me, to let my family know I'm still here. I'm okay like give me a little space (laughs) I love you mom I don't need five blankets on me right now it's summer (laughs) um, at night when I went to sleep I for the the first week I was pitying myself and I would sit in front of my full length mirror and I would cry and I'm an actress so I am naturally very dramatic (laughs) <laughs> so one night I'm crying in front of the mirror and I'm like how am I going to teach myself to talk and I dramatically like kind of slump over on the ground and I guess I made some kind of weird noise and the noise bounced off the mirror and vi- the mirror vibrated and I felt the vibration and I was like what is wait what is that I realized even though mentally and emotionally I hadn't started adapting to this idea of deafness yet my body had as a survival instinct 
and I was becoming more um, sensitive to vibrations. And so I realized the vibration off the mirror was me feeling the vibration of the sound hitting the mirror and bouncing back at me. So I started, ironically, with the exact same words that they used to test me with as a kid. Baseball, <laughs> hot dog. Like, <laughs> like, and so I practiced making the words, seeing the words in the mirror with my lips and then feeling the vibrations. And I could tell based on the strength of the vibrations if I was being loud or soft. And I just practiced every night when, some, when I, my family went to bed. And I was like, okay, I'm going to make baby steps here. What can I do to understand people? I was like, well, if maybe if I can read their lips, I can understand what they're saying. And so I would turn on the news and all day, my parents thought I was just really depressed. I would just sit and I just watch the news. And the news has the worst captioning in the world still. 2019. <laughs> oh, yeah. You cannot understand what's going on in the news by reading the captioning, which is not possible. So I couldn't cheat is basically what that meant. And I would just watch the people talk and watch the people talk. And I'd watch my family talk. And I'd just observe and observe and observe until I started kind of picking up on, okay, this looks like this and this looks like this. And then... One day, I come, one morning, I come out of my room and I I showered and I'd gotten myself dressed and I'd brushed my hair and my teeth and I didn't smell like totally terrible. And these doctors had told my parents I would never talk again. I, I'd not finish college. That they should expect me to live with them basically my entire they life. They filled them with nothing. doom and gloom. Yeah. Just like, so they should just forget all their expectations for my future. And I walk out and I was like, and I look at my mom and I say, "Good morning, mom." <laughs> and my mom freaked out. Um, she's like, "Good morning," and I was like, "Do you want eggs for breakfast?" <laughs> do you want eggs for breakfast? Like, she's like, "I don't know what to do with this." And granted, my speech wasn't very good. Um, I'll give you an example. I don't mind this because you can make the words with your lips look the right way in the mirror but the tongue placement is really important and uh, the amount I'm sorry I don't know if anyone can actually understand you can make the words look right in the mirror with your lips but the tongue placement the amount of breath you're exerting the vocal placement um is really what makes the words sound like words. And so not everything I was saying was clear or coherent, really. <laughs> but I practiced and I got better and then I drove myself down. Yes, deaf people can drive. To your little negative <laughs> wisdom today, our eyes are fine. We're better drivers than you. So I drove myself down to college. I was like, hey, what, what can I do? And they're like, we'll go to the Disability Resource Center, check it out. And so I go to the Disability Resource Center, and I was like, I'm finishing this degree. How? Like, I need to figure out how to get the information. And they're like, well, we can get you a sign language interpreter. I was like, I don't know sign language. <laughs> That's not going to help me. And they're like, um, note taker? I was like, well, that's great, but that's not going to get me all the information. Right. That's just going to get me what some other student in my class thinks is important. Right. Um, and so they're like, uh, cart captioner? I was like, ooh, what's that? Turns out it's a real-time captioner, just like in courtrooms. Oh, okay. So I had this lady who followed me from class to class through college with this tiny little typewriter that she, like, pinched between her knees. It was really weird. 
Um, and she would type, and then all the words would pop up on a laptop in front of me. And that's how I did my senior year of college, reading everything everyone in the class said off of a little laptop, thanks to a lady. That's amazing. Said, yeah. And I ended up graduating it with both my degrees in the four years I allotted for it with 3.15 GPA. Nice. Nice. Yeah. You want to hear my, my degree titles? Yes. All right. You ready for this? I say it pretty fast. I have a bachelor's of science in business administration, double majoring in international business and in marketing management with an emphasis in entertainment marketing. <laughs> Try saying that five times. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I did it and I, it, I proved to myself in that moment that you know what? All I need to do is figure out what I want, what my obstacles are, and then how do I overcome those obstacles? And no right. matter what barrier, I mean, it applies to anyone's barrier, any barrier in any life. What do you want? How do you get it? What, are what the do steps you need you to get it? What resources do you need? What skills do you it's need? It's what the whole show's about. <laughs> right? <laughs> when we started the show, I said, we want to find out how to cut out the clutter Mm-hmm. So we can stay focused on our goals. Mm-hmm. What do we need to do to get to the places that we want to be in life? Yeah. And that is basically how I live my life every day. Um, I, you know, I started it doing it with acting. And that was, what do I want? I, I want to do what I love. And I want to know who I am. How do I get there? Right. Well, in order to know who I am, I have to understand this part of me, this deaf part of me. And you know what? I did. (laughs) I figured it out. I got on the set. I learned. I asked questions. I just kept going. I felt embarrassed all the time. I felt like I wasn't good enough all the time. But those moments of embarrassment and not feeling good enough and, and feeling lesser than, that's human. Yeah it's really about just kind of being like, okay, I know I'm feeling this way. I'm feeling down or bad. Right. But these down or bad feelings aren't helping me get to where I'm trying to go. Right. So I have The first step is always just kind of recognizing that you feel a certain way <laughs> and just kind of absorb and accept that that is the way you feel and those mm-hmm. feelings are valid. Now what step can I take to get myself outside of these feelings? Yeah. And forgive yourselves for having those feelings. For sure. I used to just like beat myself up all the time about not being perfect, not feeling good. Overachiever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I spent so much of my life, you know, trying to act and be what I thought society wanted me to act or be. Um, And to not meet those expectations that I had set for myself was just crushing for me for a while and then realizing you know what I think it's more important and more healthy for me to figure out who I actually am yeah. and who I think everyone else thinks I should be and it wasn't even other people's expectations of me it was my own expectation of what they should expect of me mm. yeah my mom has always said I have I have a problem of unmet expectations mm-hmm. she's like you have all these unmet expectations these expectations that you hold other people up to and you do not communicate it to them. Mm-hmm. So those are always going to be unmet. Mm-hmm. And then the only person who is upset by that is you yeah. because these are your expectations you are holding other people to. Mm-hmm. Like, and I didn't even tell kids at school that I was doing TV or film or commercial. It mm-hmm. was a separate life. Just like my hearing loss was a separate life from all of that. Like I was very good at compartmentalizing from a young age. 
Um, it wasn't until I went completely deaf and that you needed an advocate for you. I did. Yeah. I still do. Um, I like to think that I'm pretty freaking tough. But a lot of people who just are not exposed to anyone mm-hmm. with who is who is different abled, they will they, they just don't understand. Yeah. To them it's one of the life altering. Yeah, and one of the number one questions I get, um, I wrote a book called Ready to Be Heard, How I Lost My Hearing and Found My Voice. And so I've been doing book tours in New York, all over the country. And the number one question I get whenever I do media or press or anything is, uh, what is the hardest part about being deaf? (laughs) And the honest answer is other people's assumptions about what I can and cannot do. I don't feel limited by being deaf until someone else forces their limits or their perceptions on me. Um, For example, I was doing press for the book and I was reaching out to producers for, like I said, I'm sending, I'm sending you a copy of my book, like I would love to do an interview and share information on hearing loss because it is a normal part of living. As you get older, your hearing starts to get worse. And the less we see it as shameful, Right. More it's in the mainstream media, you know? Right. The more it's so accepted by society. It was like, I'd love to be on your show and share this story. And they're like, wow, your story is amazing. We would love for you to share it on our show. But how will we communicate with you? I was like, oh, well, you'll talk and my interpreter will sign (laughs) or I'll read your lips and I will respond. You know, like like communication works. conversation. (laughs) And they're like, oh, well, you know, we've never really had a deaf person on the show before. We're, we're a little, like, nervous about how this will work. Like, we don't want you to get hurt coming on set. It was like, honey, I've been working on set since I was four years old. I know to look out for wires. I'll be fine. I, I, I got this. Like, my do eyes still work. When, I, do, I have motor you, skills. Let's do this. They're like, oh, then the third like, thing I got do was... Do you have special noisy wires that I need to be able to right? hear so I won't trip over them? Exactly. He's like, oh, what if you miss a question? Then I'll ask them to repeat the question. <laughs> right. It just like, to me, this just seemed like, okay, I kn- like, I'm trying to be polite. You're making and, you this know, harder than it has to be. Right? <laughs> and then the last question, the last thing that they said, and this is actually the one that got me, is like, okay, well, you know we're still not sure about this we're gonna check with like our our hosts and see if they're comfortable interviewing mm. you i was like i'm i i just i'm human they just it's just like any other person they interview like it's exactly the same You're like not i'm a just serial a human killer. Right? <laughs> i'm not gonna jump at them uh, i'm not gonna bite them but it's I just like, like okay and then I, I was like, you know what? What about this? How about I fly out to New York and I need, you give me five minutes of your time and I will show you in one-on-one in a room, sit across from your producer, will show you I can answer your questions. I will show you that I can be on your show and give an and, and intel, intelligent conversation. 
And so I flo- I fly to New York, and I have inter- and I have one-on-one five-minute meetings with producers for some of the top no the top shows in the United States. And I sit there and I tell them my story and I communicate with them and I lip-read them because I know they freak out a little if I brought an interpreter. Right, <gasps> right. God forbid I make my disability you know visual <laughs> too, right? And so I answer all their questions. They go, "Wow, your story is really amazing." We would love to have you on the show. Can you email us when something happens to a deaf person and it makes the mainstream media so that you're relevant? Oh, boy. Oh, God. Can you email us when you're relevant? I was like, well, if you put me on your show today. I'm now relevant. I'm relevant. <laughs> I'm relevant. And they're like, oh, well, we have to wait until something happens in the, you know, to a deaf person and it makes the news. I was like, honey, think last 20 years when was the last thing that happened to a deaf person that made the news marley matlin getting an oscar in 1994 (laughs) see the first deaf person that i met was in my 20s i was working at best buy Uh and he was one of my coworkers. yeah I don't remember anybody on our staff speaking sign language Mm -hmm. but we never had a problem Communicating, yeah, because it's just another human being. Mm-hmm. When I showed up to work on what, yeah, I was terrified, especially once I realized half of the crew was deaf, and I was mostly terrified because of my of me not being good enough mm-hmm. at communicating. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't worry that they wouldn't be able to communicate with me. I worried that I would struggle to communicate or. I talk with my hands a lot that I was going to accidentally say something really (laughs) rude. Um, I worried about my performance around them. I did not worry about them, about what they were capable of, Mm -hmm. or that they were going to be able to communicate to me. That never occurred to me because it's their whole life. Uh This has been who they are. It was more of like, am I going to be good enough? Just like I speak French, but when I'm around a French person, I get all nervous. Mm -hmm. Like, Am I going to fuck up? Yeah. And it's more about my insecurity yeah. than, any, and <laughs> than the, anything else. We met on that set, we, on the set of what? And that is completely normal when you're, you know, in a situation or um, meeting a new person for the first time. It's totally normal to be kind of anxious and, you know, not want to offend someone. But it, when it comes as a person with a disability, I would much rather you... You have to try. Make an effort. Yeah. Like, hi, how are you today? How would you like me to communicate with you? I notice you're using sign language. I don't know sign language. Would you like me to type on my phone what I'm saying? Would you like me to speak? Right. Like, I would rather you put in, like, the two seconds of effort to attempt to include me as a human being in this world. Um, then get so nervous about offending me that instead you act like I'm not there. And that happens a lot. I'm sure. Where I all of a sudden become completely invisible. And it happens a lot when I have interpreters with me. They'll be like, oh, is she... Is she okay? Do you think she wants some coffee? Or, you know, does does she know where the bathroom is on set? Does she need anything? Hi, I'm here. I'm right in front of you. I am the human being you were talking to, not my, my interpreter's a tool. Right. Inter- 
Right. Pretend the interpreter is not a human right. being right now. Well, it's me we're talking to. Anytime yes, I would love some coffee. Right. Like, well, anytime <laughs> someone goes to a foreign country, I mm-hmm. always recommend them. I'm like, learn a couple phrases. Right. You don't have to be good at it. Yeah. Your accent can suck. Mm-hmm. But usually, like, especially because France gets a bad rap mm-hmm. for be- people being rude. It's yeah. not that they're rude. It's that they do not believe that they should have to cater to Americans. Right. Mm-hmm. Most of them... Who don't make an effort. Most of them speak English. Right. Yeah. Now, if you can just ask them in French, you know, parlez-vous anglais, do you speak English? A lot of times they will speak English to you. Mm-hmm. But they want you to show the respect right. that you are in their home yeah. and you should be trying to communicate with right. them, not mm-hmm. the other way around. Yeah. Anytime yeah. there's an obstacle to communication, there are a lot of people that just immediately back off. And I yeah. honestly think that's a huge amount of what our problems in general in the world are. Yeah. Just people being unwilling to make the effort to communicate if it's not straightforward. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I even, I had a time a couple of years ago when I stayed at an Airbnb and the woman that posted it spoke only Spanish. So to communicate with her, I'd write what I wanted to say, run it through Google Translate, look at it and say, well, is this, I mean, from what little bit of Spanish I know, is this going to make me sound like a complete idiot (laughs) or is it at least going to sound like I'm trying to communicate? Yeah. And then I would take what she wrote back and run that through Google Translate. And I was like, okay, well, I feel like at least we're talking to each other somewhat. And then when I was staying there, I stayed there for a month. And we didn't avoid talking to each other. We were aware that there was going to be uh, some level of of, Failure, uh, right, of challenge to but. communication. But it didn't stop us from... Communicating. Right. So As um, human beings, you know, and that's kind yeah. of it. I just got back. Um, I just flew back from D.C. I do um, inspirational, motivational speaking. So I was doing um, a speech on diversity, inclusion, and disability, and including disabled people, about 20% of the population, in diversity when you talk about Mm -hmm. the diversity conversation. And so I fly out to D.C., and I'm giving a speech, and it's for a government agency. And before my speech, they bought a bunch of books, and so everyone's lined up, and I'm signing each person's individual books, and I have an interpreter with me. So each person walks up, and as each person walks up, they have to tell me, you know, their name, and, and I'm communicating, I'm talking with them, I'm commenting on like, oh, nice outfit, like we're having conversations, and of every single, and I, I signed quite a few books um, that day. There's a long line of people, and one person said walks up and notices that every single person I ask them to spell their name how do you spell your name and then I watch my interpreter finger spell their name so that I write it correctly in the book Mm -hmm. and so she walks up and she goes okay let me try this my and she signs very slowly my name and then she attempts to finger spell her name and she does it completely wrong that's okay she tried she was the only person that entire my entire several days in D.C. that made any effort to try to communicate with me in my language and connect to me in that way. And I thanked her profusely. She's like, but I didn't do it right. I was like, no. (laughs) You didn't at all. (laughs) No, you didn't do it right. It was actually some of the worst finger spelling I've ever seen in my life. But you know what? You tried. You acknowledge that I'm a human being and that I communicate in a different way than you, and you attempted to accommodate me so that we could have an intimate like connection. You treated me like a human being. Right. 
there is no greater gift you can give another person than the a moment of your time and enough respect to show, hey, I see you as my equal. Right. Yeah. On the set of what, I was determined to communicate for myself. So I would spend time with the interpreters, a mm-hmm. um, few minutes here and there, asking certain words. Mm-hmm. And then I never called an interpreter to help me unless I was in a major rush and knew there was technical terms that like I was gonna really struggle to mime Mm -hmm. um but I really focused on just trying to trust myself and figure out how to communicate and every day I sat with different people at lunch Mm -hmm. and I sat and had conversations Mm -hmm. with um our deaf talent and our deaf crew Mm -hmm. and I I wanted to be able to communicate with them as best I could Mm -hmm. because it was my insecurity, yeah. not theirs, that would prevent me from communicating. Mm-hmm. I just finished filming a movie called Keys. Um, I'm trying to think of when it's supposed to come out next year. Um, <laughs> 2020, <laughs> look for 2020, it. Woo! Um, I just finished filming a movie called Keys, and I'm the only deaf person in... The movie and the movie is about a young woman who is losing her hearing and she's a professional pianist and she's studying, you know, piano and she's auditioning for, it's just, her whole life is around hearing. And then she loses it. And that emotional toll that it takes on her, that anger, frustration of living life one way and then having to figure life out another way and there's a this whole turning point where she realizes I can feel the vibrations of music and she finds her way back to doing what she loves and realizes that she wasn't appreciating it or enjoying it as much as she should have back when she had caring it was just routine it was something she had to do and it had to be perfect and losing your hearing actually gave her the gift of oh. art. Finding new ways to create something, finding appreciation and love and sharing. It gave her the confidence to share her own music with the world instead of just always trying to copy the greats and be perfect at everything. Um, and so it's a really awesome premise and it, it's 100% like authentic in everything because they made sure to include you know, a deaf, a deaf actor, somebody who has gone from being hearing and depending on that to that emotional transition to realizing right. becoming deaf is one of the best things that's ever happened to me. It's right. given me identity. It's given me hope. It's given me a uh, purpose. Um, and on this set, I'm the only deaf person. I have an interpreter, but Every single person on set, the, from the sound guys to the director to, like, craft services, all, every single person on this set took and made the effort to learn a few signs. Good morning. Nice to meet you. Um, how to sign rolling, cut, uh, moving on from the top, things like that. And I ended up not really needing to use my interpreter services hardly at all on this set my interpreter sitting there like i don't know what i'm doing i don't know why why am i here because <laughs> it's catching a getting a free paycheck yeah, pretty much um and it would it's just like learning a couple words 
and connecting and they're like oh yeah people are a little worried about working with a deaf person on set at first like be worrying about your safety issue and that kind of thing and i was like Honey, I was the one pointing out chords to you. Like, I don't know what, like, say, I mean, as a deaf person, you become, like, hypersensitive and hyperobservant. Just your body. That was... It's a survival. That type. was one thing that I was concerned with on the set of what was some mm-hmm. of the safety. And it wasn't, like, I know everyone on that set who is deaf. They live like that every day. They manage every day mm-hmm. to not get hit by cars and yeah. things like that. But on the set... They are so excited to be part of this film. Yeah. They're not as conscientious. Mm-hmm. And so when we were having street scenes and I'm trying to hold traffic or tell cars to slow down and people are being their normal, completely oblivious, self-centered, I don't want to slow down. Which is like 20 times I'm, worse in LA. Exactly. Than it is it's bad in LA. <laughs> and I'm like, yo, you are going to hit someone who cannot hear you coming please stop thankfully no one got hurt but it was i wasn't worried about any of our deaf talent once they left set because i knew then they're in their normal but we had so many people that this was their first time on a movie set see and and they were so excited that i'm like already someone's first time on a movie set they're not as conscientious of the world around them Mm -hmm. and they're not used to you know Lighting, where the lighting's gonna be, not to begin the way of like the right. lighting that certain things are gonna move at certain times, that the camera is gonna change angles. Like, there's things that you learn being on a set, um, and because most deaf people have never been given the opportunity, right? Um, or to for that kind of a job, I mean, we just don't get those opportunities, they're not there for us to take, um. They, like on what it was their first a lot of a lot of people's first first opportunity yeah first time able to be in that kind of environment and it's hard for anyone their first time on a movie or TV set or anything everyone's gonna be a little bit like clumsy what's going on why is everything moving where do I not look where do I look Um, and I think that's just part it's just a lot of adrenaline yeah but I mean as a deaf person who works on sets all the time, it's just like, I know, okay, I'm going to stand here, um, and then they're going to need to adjust lighting to make sure that everything's lit properly. So there are going to be people moving around mm-hmm. me. There are going to be wires moving across mm-hmm. the floor. They're going to need to adjust, you know, like the, this, this. They're going to need to adjust my mic, like those kinds of things. Like, you just kind of get used to it right? on a set. Um, it was kind of funny. There were a handful of scenes... Uh, where we did have sound because mm-hmm. there were hearing actors who were speaking yeah. in that scene. Mm-hmm. And during those times where we actually had to keep everyone who was not in the scene quiet, the hardest part was keeping the deaf crowd quiet <laughs> because they can't hear the sound of their chair scraping across mm-hmm. the ground like the the crinkly bag of chips. Yeah. Or they're not aware of... Uh, the vocalizations they're making when they're chit-chatting in sign language with their friends. Or <laughs> laughing makes noise. I mean, we right. tend to forget about these little things. And as if someone it vibrates, who, it makes noise. <laughs> you know, okay, so this is going to be kind of a weird story, but I'm going to tell you anyways because I feel like this is a safe environment in which to tell it. Um, but, so, I grew up hearing right but I mean I don't remember things like the sound of birds like rain like those things like I know 
there is sound. I logically know that's there. I read enough books to know that still exists. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't... Con- I'm not conscious of it all right. the time. It doesn't like, occur I to know you. know there's constant noise and background noise. And someone is a sound engineer, you are constantly aware of that. If even if you don't want to be right. all you're thinking of is oh there's a car passing or a plane going overhead and like these are things that are constantly going through your mind through mine not so much but i remember being in college and um my hearing was pretty bad at the time i had severe hearing loss and um i, I told a friend i looked to a friend i was like i have to pee so bad i have to pee so bad and like we run into the bathroom and girls always go to the bathroom together because of that's course. how it is um <laughs> We don't share a stall or anything, but we always go to the bathroom together in pairs or groups or herds, whatever you want to call us. Um, and so I I run into the stall, and I sit down in the toilet, and I start peeing, and I'm like, oh, and I like sigh. And I come out, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel so much better. And she goes, wow, you really had to pee. And I was like, yeah, I told you that. She's like, no, but I was listening. You really had to pee. I was like, you were listening to me while I was peeing? What's wrong with you? I did not understand this concept of people can hear through stall doors. Yeah. For me, I can't. If I can't see you, I can't hear you. Um, so if there's a stall in between us, if there's a wall in between us, I, I get no information from the other side of that wall. So the concept that everyone, every day, when I go to a public bathroom, can hear me pee, <laughs> bothered me so much. You I lost, feel so like... You lost a, um, a sense of privacy. Yes! Right. That you didn't realize you never actually had. I never had that privacy. <laughs> I'm like, wait a second, you can hear me pee? Like, this is... Just stop. Why don't you stop listening to people pee? She's like... I don't choose to do right. it. It's like, just a sound here. that happens. Yeah, and, and she's like, you have to understand, you take off your processor when you don't want to hear things and you have complete silence. She's like, I can't turn my ears off. I hear everything all the time, right. including you peeing. And I'm like, well, I'm not taking you to the bathroom with me anymore. <laughs> and she's like, why? I know what it sounds like when you pee. Like, why does it matter anymore? And I was like, no, I need my privacy. Like, I was so, like, mortified by this. So, Chelsea, my other half on Life Goals Usually, uh-huh. she has auditory processing disorder. Mm-hmm. So, for her, that feeling of I can't turn my ears off is even more intense Mm -hmm. because she can't process sounds individually it all comes in as a cacophony Mm -hmm. and it her brain has to like reroute it and try to process it and so when we go to loud places it's real hard for her because she can't filter out those things like the water in the sink or the cars passing by or the people having a conversation across the room. She hears it all at once. A lot of people, because I am a disabled person, and I do happen to have this story that other people find motivational or inspirational, they expect me to always be motivational and inspirational for them. And I don't think we remind people enough that, yes, I've overcome a lot of things in my life and I've has some challenges and I am a deaf person I still every single day have challenges just ordering my coffee is more complicated um you know like every little thing making a doctor's appointment oh, I God. still have to call my mother to help me make a doctor's appointment because you have to call there's that, no other way to do it it's I mean we have technology now like um 
video relay services and things like that, but there's always a million extra steps. If I want to go to a concert, you guys can just buy tickets and go to a concert. I have to negotiate with the venue for a month to get them to pay for an interpreter. I have to bring up the Americans with Disabilities Act. I have to advocate for myself. I had, it takes mm-hmm. a month of back and forth and back and forth to just have access so that I can buy the ticket to go to the same concert that you guys just buy a ticket and go to. Um, or show or Broadway show or right. movie tickets. Like little things in my life are much more complicated. Right. I take a lot more steps. And a lot of people expect, yeah, I do motivational speaking. But I'm human. Right. <laughs> like, and that's one of the things I try to emphasize when I'm speaking because I think it's so important that people know that you can look at someone who's super successful, like Bill Gates or something, or Oprah, and it's easy to just imagine them not suffering because they're already in this successful place right. where they've overcome some huge things. But you have to remember in order to get to that successful place, and you have to still overcome those things. And that every day you're overcoming something or Mm -hmm. everybody has a shitty day. Yes. Everybody steps in gum. Mm -hmm. Everybody is late to work. Yes. All of these things happen. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't change just because you change Mm -hmm. Um, or your status changes. I mean, when I see people who get starstruck meeting people, that doesn't occur to me to be starstruck because I always hear my mom in the back of my head. They put on their pants one leg at a time. time, Like everyone else. Well, the other thing I think is funny that goes along with that is just something goes wrong for you, and there's this automatic assumption that, oh, crap, that's what people are going to notice about me, Mm -hmm. and that's what they're going to judge me on, Mm -hmm. and they're going to see that I put my shirt on inside out, and they're going to see that I didn't comb my hair today, Mm -hmm. and, like, nobody gives a shit. (laughs) Everyone's too, honestly, everyone's too worried about their own shit to even notice that somebody else put their shirt on backwards. They're like, they're having the exact same thoughts in their head at the exact same time. Someone's going to notice I didn't do my hair today. Well, speaking of people being all wrapped up in their own shit, I think it's a uh, good time to go into hashtag hunt. Hunt. (laughs) So hashtag hunt. Can you so, spell that out yes. for me? I'm yes, trying to read your lips because, you it's, know, it's I'm a hard actually one. deaf. So it's hashtag, hashtag uh, hunt. You no? don't have to spell that. <laughs> Ooh, I don't you know. You have to do it in finger spelling, just okay. like English. She just put an N-U. Oh, I'm a spell. I'm doing reverse H-U. like it's a mirror. What is this going this is on H- right now? She is really terrible at this game. This is not fun. invite this, is this fun. woman Me to and- play charades with you. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm spelling it so it's facing you. Uh-huh. But don't. H- okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so H-U-N-T. Hashtag hunt. Hashtag hunt. Hashtag hunt. This is where we go on to social media and we look up the hashtag for the episode and see what interesting, funny, inspirational things pop up. This was a tough one because the hashtag for our episode is actually life without sound. Mm -hmm. So I didn't find a lot of things under that hashtag. So I had to kind of play with it. Mm -hmm. You know, I looked up hashtag deaf, but I kind of wanted to get a little bit more specific. So I used quite a few different hashtags. And then ended up finding a good cross-section 
can you help me get 15,000 views so we can bring deaf people back to the cinema, a social outing that we're missing out on due to a lack of accessible showings, subtitled cinema. Yeah. So this was someone on change.org. They had put up mm-hmm. a petition to get cinemas to show more subtitled films at Open reasonable captions. times. Yeah. yeah, there's actually, it's always been a huge issue. I actually, when I first went deaf, I did not see a movie for years. Because it was not accessible. Um, and when they did have open caption, which is when the captioning is on the screen, um, movies at cinemas, which was very rare, it would be like 8.30 a.m. on a Wednesday morning. Was, so what are the accessible screenings like now, since it's not they open caption? They just don't. Um, they have a device. That, they uh, have captioning machines. Right. Um, and I'm doing like air quotes. Uh, <laughs> yes, there's two different types available now. Uh, one is a box that goes into the um, cup holder of your seat, and then you like kind of bend and twist it and put it in front of your face so that this. It's essentially work. subtitling. Yes, and it works about 60% of the time. I can't tell you how many times I've gone to movies. I actually almost refuse to go to movies now unless it is a Marvel movie, <laughs> a Harry Potter movie. Something that that's is action-based. That's about it. <laughs> like. well, that's, I actually saw someone using that particular device when we saw Ant-Man and the Wasp, the person next to me, and I was so curious about the technology that I was tempted to not watch the movie and just, just stare at lean it. over and look at what's what's it showing on there. I just They can be really unreliable, which is the frustrating mm. thing for deaf people. You go to a movie with your friends or your family, or in my case, my fiancé, and he's hearing, and you set up your captioning machine and it doesn't actually start until the movie starts so, so you don't get to watch you the preview through the previews you sit through the commercials and all those stuff in the beginning and you don't know if it's going to work until the first line of the movie and if it does not work you have to take it out of the cup holder walk it all the way to guest services have them exchange it out turn it back on set it to the right theater walk back to your theater back to your seat at this point you've missed the first five right. maybe ten minutes yeah. Depending on if there's a line of guest services, even 15 minutes of the movie, then you have to set it back up, turn it on, see if it's working. Then if it works, you've missed part of the movie. But at least you can watch the rest of the movie with your significant other, your family, your right. friends. Sometimes it still doesn't work, and you have to walk out again oh, and God. exchange it for another one. And then if it doesn't work at all, you have to make a decision of either walking out of the theater, and you just paid what everyone else paid and wasted your time, and sometimes look at you like, oh, come back, movie pass. Right. Yeah, like, come and back. And I want to deal why. with this again. Yeah. Um, but if you choose to walk out, you have to take your hearing people with you. And you have to embarrassingly walk back into the theater. At this point, you have disrupted the experience for everyone around you because mm-hmm. you have squeezed yourself in and out of the seat several times. And now you have to explain to the people you're with. I have no access to this. Can we leave? They don't get to see the movie. They all have to leave and get vouchers to come back later. You just wasted all this time. Um, or you can choose to sit there and stare at a screen with no access to the actual movie. Right. So that everyone else can watch it. Well, our next find on Hashtag Hunt is relating to something you've already talked about as being something that is an extra steps that you have to take Mm -hmm. um, to go to concerts. So it said Monday mornings, hashtag deaf dilemma. 
contacted venue and Ticketmaster weeks ago to request ASL Terps for a show tonight. Never got any responses or follow-up. Wake up to an email this morning confirming Terps and to purchase my tickets. So now do I spontaneously drop $300 that I wrote off weeks ago not getting a response? Scramble our schedules around to be in Boston this evening just because they confirmed Terps without following up on my request? I didn't, I just didn't hold my breath weeks ago after 45 minutes with Ticketmaster, an email to the venue and a tweet to the speaker and no response. Then they expect me to call them ASAP the morning of the event to purchase my tickets because they got interpreters. Am I supposed to be grateful and excited or am I supposed to stand my ground on the principle of it all? And that's actually one of the better case scenarios. Uh, normally it's you buy your tickets, you call and try to a month in advance and you, you try to get through and um, schedule interpreters and give them resources for how to book interpreters and, and they never know how to do any of this. You always have to walk them through the process and give them the resources and give them the phone number and give them the names of people and like hold their hands through this whole process for an entire month. So you're really doing so much work. <laughs> Um, just to be able to go to something that you pay the same amount of money as, as everyone, everyone else. else to go to. Best case scenario is they get an interpreter at the last second. It's like, yeah, you can go. Worst case scenario is, oh, we weren't able to get an interpreter. Um, we can give you a refund. Thanks for communicating with us for a month and right. putting all this time and effort and energy and planning around it and buying a plane ticket. Like, it's just... It can be really frustrating. It may be possible for hearing individuals to be accepted in the deaf community if they display the appropriate attitude. I think that goes back to making an effort to communicate, mm -hmm. you know, just trying to bridge the gap. Enjoy again this Kellogg's Corn Flakes commercial launched in 1993 featuring a deaf girl doing sign language. And that one is one I'm going to include on our social media because I remember that commercial. I don't. <laughs> Lip reading fail example. Out with friends ordering four lattes in Cornucopia restaurant and getting four lasagnas. <laughs> Left the garbage disposal on all night. Hashtag oh, death no. life. <laughs> My friend recently had that issue. I guess she could her toilet would just keep running mm -hmm. and she can't hear it obviously and so I guess for the entire month every time she would flush her toilet it would just keep running and so her bill went from being like $40 a month to being like $200 this oh last my. month all because she couldn't hear it running oh <laughs> I can't believe it's been almost 29 years since I got my first cochlear implant in 1990 I thank God for this incredible blessing I continue to learn how to hear. So it's really a learning process. I would assume so. Just like any technology, mm -hmm. there's a huge learning curve. Oh yeah, absolutely. And like um, getting a cochlear implant, like people think it's like this magical thing. It's not natural hearing, and it will have to basically relearn like a baby every single sound, what it means, what it is. Because it's just enhancing whatever you have for mm -hmm. hearing. Right. It's just well, no. It um, they actually burn out your cochlear hair cells, so there's n so you will never be able to hear naturally again from that side of you. Hmm. So in order to get a cochlear implant, you have to 
sacrifice. It's an actual surgery. I mean, they're cutting into your head. They're burning out your cochlear hair cells. They're running wires through your cochlea. Like, it, it is not a minor surgery nor something for a faint of heart. And not everyone qualifies for it, nor is everyone healthy enough to get it. Um, but even when you do have it, there's no guarantee that it's going to work, that your brain is going to accept it. Um, it's a machine. It's a tool. It's a tool that, because of my lifestyle, because I grew up in the hearing world, and because I continue to live my life in a world that is built for hearing people, it's not built for deaf people, um, I am grateful to have the tool. Um, but it is not the right choice for everyone, and it is not natural hearing. Right. Um, it really is just every day a learning experience. Um, there's still sounds. I'm like, what's that? What's that? They they what's tried that? to depict it in that show Undone on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, they tried to show what, in a, in an audible way, uh, what her experience would be when it was first. Uh, surgically implanted Mm -hmm. and it really i mean i'm sure they tried to do the best they could but i imagine it's it's something that you can't really depict for other people not it's really not something that you can and some from somebody who had a really good frame of reference as far as sound Mm -hmm. um before getting my processor on the best way I can explain to you that... Okay, so human speech, when you first have your processor activated. So you have to go through all this testing, and then you go through the actual surgery, and they implant the cochlear implant into your head. And then you have to wait until the, your head heals from the surgery before you can have the external portion of it um, attached and turned on so that you can actually hear. The external portion has the battery and the microphone. So my processor is what I call it. Um, well, the first time I had my processor put on and I heard human speech, like my mother saying, hi, Amanda, this is mom, that kind of stuff. Every single human that spoke to me sounded like a robotic alien chipmunk. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not joking and I'm not exaggerating. And I kept asking my cousins to say curse words because it was hilarious to me. (laughs) (laughs) Is it essentially your brain learning how to deal with what the input is and turn it into ultimately yes like um you have i wish i remembered these exact numbers um you guys have thousands and thousands of cochlear hair cells and they can interpret millions of different sounds i have 24 electrodes that's it (laughs) that send electronic impulses to my brain The longer I wait for my name to be called, the paranoia sets in that I've missed my name being called. Hashtag deaf life, receptionist is far away. Huge deaf life issue. People don't realize the type of anxiety associated with being a hard of hearing or a deaf person. I go to Starbucks and I like stand there with my face basically in their face, watching them like, I'm not missing my coffee. I'm not letting that jerk get my coffee. Like, no. Like the anxiety of constantly having to be on and be aware of your surroundings and like, it's exhausting. At this point, I know when I go to Starbucks, I don't talk. I use sign language. I type what I want on my phone. I point to it and I pee with my app. And then I go, deaf. Like I just point to my ears, like I'm deaf. I'm deaf. And so that, and then I'm like, they can wave. wave you down. And I gesture, wave. When this is ready, wave. And they go, and well, then that they understand. Even, yeah. as a, even as and a hearing person, I'm all about using the app 
to place my order and then I just go to the place where the mobile orders show up and wait for Don. And that's something that's like super helpful for like the deaf sure. community. We yeah. totally do that. We'll like pre-order and just show up and grab our order. Yeah. Or we'll do, instead of having to talk to somebody at the grocery store during checkout, because sometimes they'll ask you questions. You're like, I'm so sorry. Like I'm hard of hearing or I'm deaf. Like I can't, you can you repeat that? I have to read your lips. And it's just a polite way of explaining. Like, I don't know what you're saying, but then it leads to, oh my gosh, how sad. Oh no. My best friend's <laughs> no. ex-boyfriend's sister's friend's dog was deaf. So I know exactly what your life is like. <laughs> like they try to connect with you and you're like I, I, I just want to buy my almond milk and get out of here it's just it's funny but, trying to find that balance between being inclusive and connecting with a person with a disability versus going straight to a stereotype and not actually like asking them anything about themselves or right. being inclusive but really just being like oh wow I want it, I want you to be like an idol like some kind of like inspirational thing that I can tell my friends about later Right. Like, and, and we can tell the difference. <laughs> well, on the topic of inclusion, our last item from Hashtag Hunt. Made a deaf Facebook group for those from the deaf community and those who have an interest or are learning sign language. A nice, safe place to meet people, share deaf-related pictures, videos, etc. Hashtag deaf awareness. Hashtag deaf community. Woohoo! Go ha go hashtag deaf awareness. The day that I booked the what movie, I mm-hmm. called one of my very good friends. She is an ASL interpreter, mm-hmm. and I was like, "I'm because I was like, you're not going to believe what I'm going to be working on." She was like, "I'm so excited for you." She's like, "That's amazing." I'm yeah. like, "I'm going to have so many stories to tell you because she is a completely hearing person," and um, I don't even know what ended up inspiring her. She was a dancer for the longest time. And so was one of the interpreters on our set. And she just fell in love with sign language and being part of that community. And Mm -hmm. that's what she decided she wanted to do with her life. I don't know if if she even has anybody that was in her life before she moved into that for a career Mm -hmm. that was part of the deaf community. Mm -hmm. So um, I was really excited. I'm like, I'm going to get all of this exposure to a community that I am not familiar with. Yeah. And um, it was really exciting. And so now I feel way more prepared Mm -hmm. to communicate with people in the deaf community. Mm -hmm. And there were so many great crew members on that set that were deaf that, like, I will push to have on my crews in the future. Yes. Because they did such a great job. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I can't believe I've been on so many film sets and had yet to meet a single deaf crew member. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? It is. It's insane. Because, uh-huh. like, until I'm faced with it, I'm like, how come I haven't come across this more? Yeah. Like, my experiences within the deaf community have been very limited and spread out over mm-hmm. years. Um, but it shouldn't be something that we fear including. Yeah. Like I said, I knew no sign language when I worked with that gentleman at Best Buy and we had no problems communicating. Yeah. Like it doesn't have to be this big unknown. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing to be afraid of. I know a lot of the time, especially hearing people, which is what we call you, (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm used to it now you're working hearing on that movie people, um, just that unknown factor that knowing that your life and the world that we live in really does depend a lot on hearing and then you guys 
really live your lives based on that hearing. I mean, you wake up in the morning to an alarm going off and it makes noise. Uh, like So from that first thing, that first thing that makes you conscious in the morning, sound is a huge play in, in your life. So the idea of someone living without that can seem really scary. And like, how do I even connect or communicate with this person? Um, and that can be really intimidating. But you just have to remember that we're all human and all humans eat food. So if you can't think of anything else to talk to somebody about, open it with food. Everyone eats. That's true. Um, I learned many of the some, many of the signs for fast food when oh, I was on that set. Oh, yeah. And it was hilarious. Everyone eats. My um, favorite was Starbucks. Although now that I'm thinking about it, um, we're in L.A., so maybe not everyone in L.A. <laughs> probably true it's a whole, whole different uh, kettle of fish um i have to admit that that like when i had a cold last month and and the hearing went completely in my left ear there were moments when i was like what if this is it that's that's a big question mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah you, you think about the things that they change and the change is permanent and now this is who i am and I kind of, you know, found myself wondering that for the last month or so. Yeah. Well, if it does go out, you're joining a really awesome group <laughs> of people. My dad, when he first got his hearing aids, it was so funny because my mom, my mom, I love you, mom, but you never stopped talking. And she would, and she will. And now your daughter has a podcast. <laughs> she walks through the house talking. She will walk into other rooms, still carrying on this conversation that you can't really hear mm-hmm. or see what she's talking about. She does it all the time. So we have had the closed captioning on in my house probably my entire life because yeah. that was actually not my entire life. I would say in the from the nineties on when TV became like much more super accessible and on all the time. And, and that's when it became a law that you had to have captioning. Right. TV so we always turned on closed captioning so that way, because we couldn't pause. And so we'd get really frustrated if mom came in and was talking in the middle of a show. <laughs> so dad's solution was, let's turn on closed captioning because then she can still be talking. Brought to you by deaf people. <laughs> she can still be talking. Solutions for deaf people. Uh-huh. Uh-huh, Julie. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. not miss what's happening in uh-huh. the show. Dad steps it up a notch when he gets his hearing aids. Because when mom's going on and on, I would see him put his finger to his ear and, and turn the volume down. Because <laughs> he's got the closed captioning already on uh-huh. the TV. <laughs> As a child, I did that a lot. My Wait. mom's experience with hearing aids has been quite the opposite. Um, so she only recently got hearing aids in these last few years. Mm-hmm. She did the ones she got; they didn't fit quite right, mm-hmm. and they hurt. And mm-hmm. so she often didn't like to wear them. Yeah. And so then, when she didn't hear something you said, or you're like, "I already told you that. I already told you that." Mm-hmm. Then she would finally just get angry and like blow up like, I can't hear very well right now. It's like, well, then you have to say something. Say, repeat that, please. Uh, It's really hard to relate to someone while they're going through hearing loss. But at the same time, it's also a journey that their family is going through, too. Right. Because communication is a two-way street. It's not just a one-way street. And I think when you're going through hearing loss, it makes you feel isolated and afraid and 
not included in the conversations right. with your friends and your family and those closest to you, and it's easy to get really frustrated. And also, the opposite is also true right. for the friends and family. We want you to know what we're saying. Why aren't you understanding sure. us? Why aren't you here? Right. And when you're feeling isolated and alone and frustrated, you don't want to share those feelings. Like, I feel frustrated right now because I can't understand you. Like, right. She waits until she's ready to explode. Yeah. And, you know, she doesn't wear her hearing aids when we go to Disneyland because she's worried she'll lose them on a ride. Mm -hmm. Fine. But then I'll find that the most of the month that she stays with me, she will not put them in. And so then when she blows up at me and says, I can't hear you, I'm like, well, then why aren't you wearing your hearing aids? (laughs) I'm like, I feel like you're doing this on purpose. You want to selectively hear me. (laughs) Well, Amanda, do you have a challenge in regards to this topic, life without sound, for me and maybe Dawn to do over the next couple weeks. Or I can pass it off to Chelsea. (laughs) There you go, Nellie. This was Chelsea's idea for this episode. This was the one that she wanted to do. My challenge to learn how to sign one Christmas song. Oh, that's a good one. For the holiday. I would totally do that. Yeah, like dashing through the snow. I'm signing that, by the way. You can't see it. But you Sorry, sang it. Radio. But you sang That's it. That's perfect. And you and know you what? you the melody. I will make and, and sure to do that. it at my family Christmas party. Yeah, exactly. You can video the proof. It. You can... And, and then videotape you guys sign yourself signing it and send it to me as my Christmas present. Then, oh my God, yes. And anyone who's listening wants to send me a Christmas present, that is the best Christmas present you could possibly give That's me awesome. is learn how to sign a Christmas song or just Merry Christmas and send it to me on social media. Mm-hmm. You can find me everywhere. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, even through my book, we have our own. So what is stuff. your Instagram, Twitter, Facebook handle? Instagram, I'm Amanda McDonough. Surprise, my name. What? Um, Twitter, I'm not on as often, but I'm acting Amanda on Twitter. Um, And no matter where you go, you can type in Ready to Be Heard, the name of my book, Ready to Be Heard. Um, And we have every social media available for that, too. And I get, whenever you guys send messages or whatever through that, my team sends them to me. Um, We also have readytobeheard.com. If you guys are interested in my story or learning more about deaf people or how to overcome your own obstacles, um, you can check out my book. It's available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, um, worldwide right now. And uh, in the back, we have this special section and it's called uh, the Hearing Loss Handbook. So it's tips and tricks with for communicating better with people in your life who have hearing loss, whether it's in the workplace or during Christmas dinner, Thanksgiving dinner. I'm not going to skip holidays here. (laughs) (laughs) Halloween's always a hard one because everyone wears masks and you cannot lip read through a mask. Yeah, that would be more difficult. Well, you can find us at Life Goals Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can also find links to Amanda's book there. And thank you so much, Amanda, for coming on today. I really wish Chelsea had been here to meet you um but i know she's gonna love getting to hear everything we talked about today um maybe i'll come back sometime and and chelsea and i can have it out i love it i love it because she actually speaks um sign language so um so you guys won't be able to hear anything no you guys can talk shit about us all you want oh yeah all we'll know is the words that happen to be in the christmas carol that we well (laughs) And I'll know a lot of the bad words because... And the the food words. When I was... (laughs) 
<laughs> I had someone who was teaching me sign language for a theater production years ago, and he taught us all of the bad words. They always start with them. Everyone does. Like, every language, you're supposed to start with the bad words first, right? right. And then you move on to the basics, like, hi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, that's all for today. Uh, thank you guys for listening. I'm Amy Quavell. And I'm Don Strong, sitting in for Chelsea Wingo. And you've been listening to Hashtag Life Goals. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.